and the crew all season long on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue. Here is your host, Dominic Catronio. All right. That's not how you want to start off a road trip. But hey, they still got a chance to win the series with the next two games in Colorado. And they'll head to San Francisco. I'm Dom Catronio with Jeff Cirillo. Brewers fall tonight by a 3-2 final to open up this road trip out west tonight in the Rockies. Well, Jeff, there's a lot of ways to sum up a start by Freddie Peralta tonight. And I I think the only word that I can come up with, whiff. I mean, just simply superb stuff from Freddie Peralta. He literally only made two mistakes tonight, and they both hit out of the park because it's Coors. It's it's what happens at Coors Field. I thought Freddie Peralta was absolutely tremendous tonight. At least it's a no decision and not a loss for him. What 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 are your immediate reactions to what Freddie did this evening to the Rockies? Well, I just don't think that people really realize playing at Coors Field and playing in that altitude to get a ball to break like he was getting tonight and getting the swings and misses on that breaking ball. I mean, it was an electric pitch for him, and it was tough luck. Tough luck that he got an un. un undecision on that one because uh, it was a great pitching performance. And and I'm glad you brought up the breaking ball and the spin rates. And I think a lot of folks have talked about the fact that uh, we've learned a lot about what altitude does to the baseball, not just carry-wise, but with the spin rates of the ball. And Freddie still found a way to spin it. Not only was he spinning it, I really thought he was locating that slider specifically so well in the bottom third of the zone or below the zone and disguising it well to get swings and misses on it. And it caught the Rockies off guard of how much off speed he was trusting and using and using it very well. Yeah, it's one of those ones when you go into a scouting report, but I mean, you definitely had feel for it. And you, don't, you wouldn't think that his best pitch would be a breaking ball at Critchfield, but he did an outstanding job of not only landing the breaking ball for strikes early, and then he had the wipeout strikeout, wipeout slider for swing and miss. So he finished with a total of 25 swings and misses tonight. 11 on the fastball, 9 on the slider, 4 on the curve, and 1 on the changeup for good measure. I, I think this, and this is crazy to say, this still wasn't even Freddie's best, if you ask me. He still had those three walks. He did have the two home runs allowed against him, and I think Freddie would tell you too. I mean, there were still a few counts that he fell behind and had to battle back into. It might have saved him maybe throwing another inning potentially if he didn't fall behind so early in those counts. But still, it was encouraging to see not only Freddie work through six innings, get double-digit strikeouts, but he also was hit 98 today for a guy that missed most of last year with a shoulder issue. He's looking as healthy as ever. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I saw two years ago. Last year I saw him. Velocity was a little down, maybe a little bit indecisive in the zone. Uh, this year's a guy, I mean, you look at all four of his pitches and you grade him out as plus pitches at the major league level. And you look at, for Freddie, I just want to read through some of the, the numbers so far here from tonight and what he did and some of the company that he is now joining. So 25 swings and misses at a hitter-friendly environment like Coors Field. That's the second most ever by a starter at Coors Field, regardless if they're a visitor or a member of the Rockies, only trailing Jacob DeGrom, who had 27 there back in 2021. He also, I love this note, he becomes the second pitcher ever to have multiple double-digit strikeout games as a visitor to Coors Field, and the only other one to do it is some guy named Randy Johnson, and he did it three times. So now Freddie is in that list, a very short list with him too. Uh, I know you you faced Randy Johnson toward the end of his career, right? What I mean, the big unit is something else, wasn't he? Oh, tons of stuff. I mean, I've faced him several times, and when he had his slider going, he was an unhittable, unhittable guy. I mean, Peralta had that kind of stuff tonight, and, you know, showing, I mean, if you look at the history of the game, and you look at Randy Johnson's one of the only guys that struck out more than 10 guys at Coors Field, and he's in rare company there. And it was his uh, seventh career double-digit strikeout game, his first of the year. In fact, it was the first of the year for any Brewers starter uh, in 2023. The Brewers did fall in this game 3-2. to two. If you want to join in, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank. Get all this one from Josh. Coors Field is always a wild card. If a few outcomes were different, the Brewers would have had the W. It's good to see Tyrone back with the club and making a big outfield assist. Reset and win the series. I like the positive outlook there, Josh. Appreciate the text. You mentioned a few different uh, outcomes. I think the guy that you have to circle, and I've got a few stars on my scorebook here, Jeff. 
the fact that Ezekiel Tovar had himself a night, not just with the bat with the home run, but he single-handedly, uh, I was joking with our producer Tommy Wirtz before the show, that he single-handedly, tonight was worth like 1.0 war on his own tonight with the glove and what he did with the bat. Just don't hit it to Ezekiel Tovar. What a night for him. Oh, just dazzling. Dazzling play, and then he makes a great play in the ninth inning. It's a home run. I mean, he was special. I've never seen him play today, and he was definitely a thorn in the Brewers' side tonight and pretty much the difference maker in that game. I was talking to some uh, Rocky scouts during spring training when Tovar was auditioning and trying to make sure that he would hang on to that shortstop role moving into 2023, and all the Rockies guys resoundingly saying, his glove is underrated. His glove is underrated. I know folks say that he's a glove-first guy and they hope he's going to hit, and they were still telling me that his glove was underrated. And uh, I don't think it's underrated anymore, especially the leaping grab that he robbed Rowdy on uh, in the ninth inning because then you look at the next batter, Contreras, hits a double in a left center field. It would have been a tie game, still threatening. What an incredible play. That's the kind of game that the Brewers finally got a taste right of their own medicine, of what they've been doing to other teams. This is what they feel like facing the Brewers. Oh, that's always great. And there's just always a lot of great young players out there, Adamas being one of them, and Tovar Knight with the glove especially. Uh, another text, uh, a few more texts rolling in here as well, just talking about the fact that why the heck can't, can't we hit it to anyone other than Tovar? But not just him. I want to give kudos to the great play, and we'll talk about this a little bit later with the difference-making moment, but robbing Willie there in the sixth inning, I thought Castro made just an outstanding play, falling to his left, Harold Castro throwing from his back to get the fielder's choice. It would have easily scored a run. Instead, they ended up, uh, just getting the uh, ground out score run, I just thought top to bottom today was just a very well played game by both teams. Throw the records out the window, and I thought this was just a well played game, and one team just made one more play than the other. Oh, you're absolutely right. It was definitely a fun game to watch, uh, and even the broadcasters like you know they thought that the ball that Adamas hit got through, and not alone wasn't it not not. A run or not a hit that, that he was able to still throw from the seat pants to get an out in that play it was it was like you said it was a great play it was unfortunately the brewers lost that one but it was definitely an entertaining one to watch it's one of those it's still a great game but i think what you'll look at in the grand scheme of things of this one is like well if you score two runs at coors you're probably not going to win the game but then on the flip side it's like well you only allowed three runs at Coors, you probably should win the game. So it's like, it's both ways there. It, it happens, and I, I, I've said this throughout the last couple of years, and the way that, and you've said this well too as well, that you've got you know, 40 games to actually decide what your season's going to be. But the thought is, there are going to be games that you play your tail off and you lose, and there are going to be games that maybe you don't exactly deserve to, but still win, right? And I think this is one of those games, the Brewers played their tails off and didn't get the win, and you know what? That's why we play 162 of them. You're exactly right. It's called a swing game. There's 42 of them. You know, usually at the beginning of the year, I mean, it's really hard to lose 100 games in the major leagues. And like I said, everyone's going to win 60 and lose 60. It's those other 42 swing games. And this was one that didn't didn't go the Brewers' way tonight. But they've had a few that have gone their way. And they've been so electric in one-run games this year, too. This was really the first time uh, Peter Szczeslecki, uh got beat, too, in the armor. He just doesn't like pitching in Coors because he's a, a massive spin rate guy as well. Uh, coming into today, the Brewers were 6-1 and one in one-run games, and tonight their second loss of the season in such contests. We're going to talk a little bit more about the offense. I mean, William Contreras continues to deliver. What a signing he has been. Uh, your texts, your tweets as well. You can tweet me at dom underscore C-O-T. R-O-N-E-O, or you can text us 855-616-1620. want to remind you that Brewers Extra Innings is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank with a local Milwaukee team. Fifth Third also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking, that value that only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Just getting going here with you for about an hour tonight. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Welcome back. Brewers fall on this one. By a 3-2 final. I'm Dominic Catronio. Jeff Cirillo is with us as well. Jeff, we, we talked about it a little bit there in that last segment that you know only scoring two runs at Coors 
kind of sets you up for failure. But again, I'm tipping my cap to what the Rockies did today. They threw their A bullpen at the Brewers. It takes one to no one. It's not, you know, you're not going to win every game in the big leagues, and I'm not going to overreact to one loss. But this is a little bit of a slump we're starting to see right now from a couple of Brewers. And overall, over their last seven games, they're only averaging three runs a game right now. Is there anything that's Jumping out to you in these last week of games that you see from the offense, you know, coming off of the uh, the Tiger series and the Angels series and now this opener against Colorado? No, you know, it's just one of those ones. I mean, just hitting goes up and down, right? It's the, it's the, the pitching that's always been pretty much stable for, for the Brewers. And, you know, you saw in the last road trip, but they swung the bats great. And sometimes hitting goes up and hitting goes down. Adamas right now is in a little bit of slump, but, you know, you're going to have those guys. It's not like you're all going to click at once. And unfortunately, Adamas didn't get that ball through today, right? He hit the ball to the right side and, and, and didn't get reward for it. So tomorrow will be his day. Yeah, and it's one of those things, you bring up a good point about no one's all clicking at once. That's 100% true, and we have not seen everybody clicking at once. And you may think, oh, wait, well, what about the first week of the season, Dom? No, that was carried by the rookies in that first week of the season and Brian Anderson. Then after the Mets series, that's when Rowdy Telez started to wake up on that road trip out west. Then you saw Christian Yelich wake up in Seattle, and then you saw you know, you know, saw different contributors popping up throughout the league. So right now, the Brewers' hottest bat in the order it's probably William Contreras and Rowdy Telez. Uh, Rowdy had two more hits and was robbed of a third. Rowdy had two doubles, and you know one of those doubles is a home run in almost any other ballpark. Instead, it ends up being a, a shot off the wall. Even Yelly's double to dead center field would have been a homer in almost any other ballpark. So they're hitting the ball hard. They're getting good results, but just because of the venue today, it wasn't quite like what they had expected today. It just... Right now, it feels a lot worse than it may not actually be performing when you look at the numbers. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you got to think of uh, Weimer and Trang. You know, they're going through their a little bit their first rookie slumps. You know, and so before they were getting on base a little bit and at least manufacturing their bats to roll the lineup and just kind of make the whole lineup work. So it's one of those ones. Like I said, it's just cyclical and it just kind of goes in, in in spurts. And and right now, there's a few guys that aren't swinging the bat bat well, but the, the starting pitches really held them up and their bullpen. Take me back to when when you were a rookie, Jeff, because, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum about, you know, we know the rookie slump is going to come. We know there is going to be an adjustment made against these guys. What was it like, you know, when you arrive in the big leagues and you're seeing all this advanced pitching you hadn't seen before, and then when does it start to click, and when do you start to get comfortable again in the box and get a little success going your way? You know, that, that, Don, that's a good point because I don't think it really carries over until you get done with the first season because in the minor leagues, you know, you're always saying, you know, a good draft to you get to the major leagues, three of you will get to the big leagues on a great draft. So there's always this, and then they say that, you know, it's easy to get there and it's either harder to stay. So you've kind of got this mantra when you go through. So you're just trying to kind of survive and feel your way through and you'll, and you'll celebrate the high modes, but those low moments can be a little bit lower because you're still having these, these doubts. Well, are they going to figure me out? So until you kind of get through that first full season, there's always question marks. And for Joey and Bryce, I mean, Bryce had two hits tonight, but I think he would trade both those two hits to get a hit there in the top of the ninth inning to bring home the game's tying run. You're starting to see a lot more breaking balls, especially low in the zone against him. Weimer's made the adjustment against the breaking balls he's seen, but they're just daring him to try to attack anything on the inner third of the plate, daring his hands to be fast enough. And right now he's fouling those pitches back to the net, waiting on him to get back on time. I'm personally a believer in, in both of those guys and for the rookies as a whole. Obviously, the Brewers are too, given the fact they are still in the lineup. And my hunch is that with Tyrone Taylor arriving, I think this is really going to ease things on Joey Weimer right now. This is going to help him relax in a way of that he has support in center field. He has a guy that just went through this a couple of years ago, you know, making the adjustments and learning how to hit big league pitching for the first time. I think Tyrone Taylor's arrival is going to be a very positive thing, not just offensively for the team, but maybe for the, the psyche of Joey Weimer specifically. I would agree. Sometimes uh, uh, I wouldn't call it a good, solid, fundamental benching. It's just kind of a, you know, sometimes you just got to, if you see your name in the lineup every day and there's really no one over there because everyone's kind of hurt, with Tyrone Taylor coming back, it definitely eases the pressure where you can take a blow once in a while and you're not just kind of, 
keeping having bat at bat after bat at bat and then so sometimes it's easier sometimes to watch and just and watch it and it slows down a little bit when you get back out there when I look at the the positive contributors to the offense right now, I mean, William Contreras, the double he hits there in the ninth inning to keep things interesting, to put the tying run in scoring position, and then he was robbed uh, earlier in the game as well on a great line drive into right center field on a sliding catch by Brenton Doyle. But Contreras, I, I think you'll agree with this, his approach is so team-oriented and so up the middle and opposite field. I mean, I even look at the at-bat there in the sixth inning, does exactly what the situation calls for. Second and third, less than two outs, infield playing back. Your number one job is to get the ball in play, and he did his job, hit the ground ball, in, allows Willie to score, and tied that game up at the time. William Contreras has been so, so impressive in the first month of the season. No, he's fun to watch, and, and just watching him from behind the play, just the energy brings. No matter if he's hitting or not hitting, he still is able to transition from offense to defense. But now offensively, his approach is, is great. I mean, it's one of those ones where you're going to hit for a solid average. You're going to draw your walks just because it's just a middle-of-the-field type approach. What do you think about, you know, we mentioned him briefly with Willie being in a slump, and you're thinking that tomorrow is going to be his day. But I do see Willie's numbers and I'm looking, I mean, the dude's drawn a ton of walks, which is not normally his M.O. He is swinging and missing a little bit more than he normally does in his career right now. And, again, we're a month into the season, so I refuse to overreact to anything here. But he has trust with Ozzie Timmons, obviously, going back to Tampa. He's got trust with Connor Dawson in his second season with him. This is just one of those, you're going to have ebbs and flows in a season. I am not going to be worried about Willie Adamas. And the batting average for him... Never tells the whole story of the quality hitter that he is. He has increased his on-base percentage this season. He is hitting for power to the opposite field again like we saw when he first arrived. There are things to like, and I refuse to let a week-and-a-half stretch where he goes cold define how he is so far this season. No, I agree. I mean, the guy is a star player in my opinion, and it's just one of those ones he's just had a bad week and a half and tonight is one of those ones you know when you're in a slump it doesn't really matter what you do i mean buddy bell said it best is like doesn't matter slumps like a cold doesn't matter what you do it lasts for a week seven days so hopefully hopefully <laughs> we're through the cold part gotta get that man some nyquil or something get him feeling a little bit better here uh we also got to talk about tyrone taylor and yeah he was hitless at the plate in his return but for Tyrone playing right field, obviously the play of the game was the outfield assist. That kept the go-ahead run off the board there earlier in the contest and also set the stage for the Brewers to eventually tie the game as well. Uh, Tyrone, is I feel like mentally that had to be a trip for him because obviously he had been on the injured list with an elbow issue and he had been feeling it uh, throwing for a while and... Finally was symptom three while he was going through the minor leagues, learn how to manage his pain, and boom, here you are. You're tested in the show, right? You knew that was coming, and he throws a perfect one-hop strike to William Contreras, gets the runner out by a mile. I think that was a big hurdle for Tyrone. What can that do for a player mentally coming back from injury? Oh, I mean, hats off to the whole training staff, right, from minor leagues to major league, to make be able to do that. Not only you're you're kind of favoring, there's a psychological effect too when you have an injury, especially to a throwing arm. But that throw was an incredible throw. I mean, I, I thought when it was hit, there was no chance of him getting him, and the guy was out by a good foot and a half. It was a, it was a great throw, and obviously his elbow's good, and I think he can take away from that 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 the arm arm's going to hold up no matter what throw he makes fundamentally too i just marvel at it as well the fact that all right he timed out his steps he got a charge on it behind the ball got a quick transfer to the plate and made sure the accuracy was more important than the velocity it was low enough that if they needed to hit a cutoff man he could have there was just so much of the little nuance of that i would encourage any high school player any middle school travel ball player whatever just watch that throw on a loop if you're a corner outfield and do that right Oh yeah, that's you're exactly right. I mean, those are those are great lessons to be learned, and, and I think that's great that you pointed that out. Anyway, because he got behind, it, had momentum, hit the target, but he th- threw it through him, so he didn't make it, make an overthrow or something like that. But just an incredible play. And, and the little thing too, as an ex catcher myself, that no, obviously not in the big leagues to say the least, but the the fact that. He was fine with knowing he wasn't going to get it there in the air, so give the catcher the long hop to have a chance to make the tag, and I'm sure William Contreras was thanking him when he arrived in the dugout for that. Yeah, sparkling. Just a sparkling play. I mean, 
hang a star on that one for sure. And it, it really was the game-changing moment. I mean, it was second and third and, and no outs after Homer had already been given. They're already down by two runs. He strikes out Doyle, and then, you know, you think it's going to be a sack fry, and he's in the, out of the inning with only the, the one home run. Yeah, I think you just teased what your next segment is going to be. And up next, we've got our difference-making moment of the game. Stay with us. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This one's for you. Baby, you my head bang. You all I ever wanted. We can Jeff Cirillo with us still. I'm Dominic Catronio, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620 if you're up late with us. Or you can tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. And all of our post-game shows are available in podcast form after the fact by subscribing to Brewers All Access wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, though, it's time for our difference-making moment of the game, brought to you by Annex Wealth Management. Annex Wealth Management is different, not driven by commission sales or pushing financial products you may not actually need, but for elite, comprehensive financial planning, customized to who you are and what you need, you can contact Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. NXWealth.com. So we just talked about it there at the end of the last segment there, Jeff, but I'll give it to you first. Is the Tyrone Taylor throw out your difference-making moment of the game, or you got something else? Well, I mean, you could go with it with the play that, that, that the second baseman made for the Rockies to kind of squash. I mean, they had the pitcher on the ropes, you know, uh, third time through the order. But I'm going to go with the Tyrone Taylor just because he's back, and it was just an impact play, and it kept the score at 2 nothing, and the Brewers able to bounce back the next inning to tie the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a easy call. It's a no-brainer, to say the least. It was an epic play. He threw it 90-something miles an hour back to the plate as well. An easy pick for the difference-making moment of the game. For mine, I'm going to go to the ninth. I mean, the, the play by Tovar to lead off that inning after Telez worked the 3-2 count against Pierce Johnson, first time facing him as well, and he lines one to center that... Tovar out of nowhere leaps up into the air and makes the grab, and especially so because the next batter, Contreras, hit a double that easily would have scored that runner from first base. So that's what I look at for my difference-making moment of the game. Do you think, tell me if this is something or it's nothing, that the fact that the Brewers lose a series to the Tigers and they've lost the opener to the Rockies, but they've handled series against the Cardinals and the Mets, and they sweep the Mariners on the road, and they win three out of four in San Diego. And, you know, you get what I'm saying here is that, you know, the teams that aren't expected to compete this year, for some reason, the Brewers have had a little bit of an issue with so far this year. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's that midweek game, you know, school's still in session, maybe not a big crowd out there at Coors Field, and you're facing a team that you're supposed to beat, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it all starts and stops with the guy on the mound, and tonight, you know, unfortunately, they ran into... Tovar at shortstop, really, and Castro at second base for making those plays because those could have been much bigger innings going forward, and and the score wasn't really indicative of how they swung the bat tonight for sure. It does kind of remind me of what happened in 2021 for the Brewers, where this sort of thing really trended out throughout the year. I remember they lost, uh, like they really that year the interleague series was the AL Central, which was one of the worst divisions in baseball in 2021, and they had lost the series to the Tigers. They lost the, the like three out of four to the Royals, and you know it was the same sort of thing. But the Brewers were winning series against teams maybe you weren't expecting them to win. But this is what you're talking about earlier, right? You're, there's 42 swing games. Those are the ones that actually will decide a season, and there's so much more. It is May 2nd. There is so much baseball to be played. There are so many guys to get healthy. You just got Tyrone Taylor back. Brandon Woodruff is on his way back. Luis Urias is on his way back. Gus Varland threw a rehab outing today. There is so much still to come. Aaron Ashby could be on his way back at some point this season. There is so, so much baseball still to come. Yeah, I mean, the baseball season, it's a soap opera, and it just there's big swings and in both ways, directions, right? You know, sometimes the guys you, you, you counted on at the beginning of the year, and, and, and you have guys step up at the end of the year, and the, some of the guys at the start you counted on aren't there. So you never know. Like you said, there's 162 games, and it's a really long season. We're just in the second month. We're, we're not going to talk about Jesse Winker's pitch clock strikeout because I think he was – properly called out on that pitch clock strikeout. But I want to leave this into a little bit bigger of a conversation with you here, Jeff, about now that we have a month in of this data, of the new rules, of what we're seeing, we have numbers to return and to reflect on so far in the first month of the season. So first and foremost, games are 27 minutes shorter. Steals are up 54%. Batting average is up by 15 points. Hits are up by 9%. Runs are up by 14%. 
What are your thoughts of this new product that we're seeing in baseball one month into the season? Oh, I love it. I, I like doing a scouting last few years. Just I saw the pitch clock, and I just I just remember, you know, going home and 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 getting home at a reasonable hour. You actually get something to eat, and getting getting into hotel room before ten o'clock was great. And you know, sometimes you don't have those long drawn out games where the you have all the the catchers, you know, trying to deke the signs at second base and now they don't have time to do that right I and mean, especially with the automated strike zone with the catcher pitcher with the the headphones and so i love the stolen base i love that the there's not as much shifting so it might open up the game a little bit so it's just i, I mean baseball shouldn't just be baseball shouldn't just be a stationary game yeah i agree and you bring up a good point with the uh with the pitch com too because that was kind of a low-key innovation from last year that everyone just like oh instantly was like oh sign stealing yada 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 but then you realize like Oh wait! You don't have to stare in for the signal anymore. You don't have to wait for the pitcher to be looking at you to receive the sign. Right? The pitcher can be receiving the baseball, and the catcher is already punching in slider away, and the hitter and the batter is already like, you know, all right. Well, I'll step in the box and get ready to go. And the pitcher has already known what he's going to throw for the last 15 seconds, and he's probably been fidgeting with the grip this whole time. These little things have added up. And I want to give credit where credit's due to Theo Epstein, who was in charge of all of this stuff to research it and make sure it was ready for the big leagues. And for Rob Manfred and company, I know he's taken a lot of heat lately, but this is one that Major League Baseball, in my opinion, got right, and you got to make sure you give them credit for it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the pitch clock. I mean, I'm per se, I, I do like the pitch count. I, I don't like that it's – I think they could lengthen it a little bit more, especially later in the games or whatever. Just some because sometimes I, as a hitter, I could speak for myself. You know, sometimes you're a little jumpy at the plate and you need to step out and kind of gather your thoughts and, you know, you tap your right leg or whatever you do, just like kind of slow down the mechanism. But at the same time, I do like the speed of the game. It definitely um, is great for the fans, obviously. It's great for everybody because they get out of there at a reasonable hour. I agree with you that there could be a couple of tweaks. I would be fine if you make it 20 seconds across the board. I think that's fine for everybody, um, given you, you know, we rarely see pitch clock violations with runners on base. We really only see it when there's nobody on because the pitchers don't get the opportunity to step off. And then I also flip on that and saying, you know, if there's nobody on and you have a 15 second pitch clock, like it, just like the batter, the pitcher should be allowed one timeout with nobody on base. Because I, I, you know, maybe you disagree, or maybe there's just something going on with your grip that you can't quite find it. You should be allowed one time. In my opinion, I, I think folks will get behind that, right? Well, I don't, I don't think that the pitcher per se needs a timeout. I don't like the fact that that the pitcher is is limited to two pickoffs, right? I mean, that that's an integral part of the game, and then you see these guys kind of bouncing off to try and get them into that that step off where they've wasted their two picks now and so i don't like that part of the game i think that there's a strategy to, to pick the pitch to go on and, and if the pitcher has a good pick so that I, I i don't like because i think it's an instrumental part of the game that the, the you know the runner has to guess right right when he's going to pick and when he's not yeah and you you know you stole a few bags you had a couple double digit seasons in there looking back at your baseball reference page back in the day so you, you know i can say you're a base stealer in a way right i'll give you that credit I don't know. I think a lot of those were on the back end of some stolen bases. And if I knew the guy was on first, if I knew that guy was on second and he was running, you can bet, you can bet your bottom that I was making sure that I was watching him. If he was going, I was going. <laughs> I love that. I mean, look, man, the baseball reference doesn't lie. I see 12 stolen bases in 2001. I'm officially calling you a speed demon from here in. Fastest third baseman I've seen. Uh, quick twitch all the way, Dom. I <laughs> love that. Jeff Cirillo, hey, before we let you go, I want to look a little bit ahead to tomorrow. This is going to be a big start for Eric Lauer. Uh, coming off of a rough one, obviously it's Coors. It's always a tough place to pitch. It's a pitch that doesn't have good history for him either. What do you look for for Eric? I mean, how do you sit down with him and say, look, man, I, I know you're going to the house of horrors for pitchers like you who rely on movement and rely on spin. How do you you know, make the adjustment and get ready for this start? Well, it's one of those ones that you just have to have attrition out there, and and you know he's going to go deep into into the into counts. Like he goes deep into counts anyway, so it's not going to be a really long outing, probably five innings. Um, the other thing about it is that, that you know course field is you got to limit the the guys on the base, right? You know that's where the big innings come from. So just imagine he's got to just attack the zone and just kind of trust his stuff and and throw more strikes and and not have any more free passes really. Yeah, looking at uh, his career numbers. At Coors Field, uh, not pretty as one would expect. 18 and two thirds innings, 
33 earned runs allowed and seven home runs. Remember, he pitched there back when he was a member of the Padres uh, 2018 and 2019 when most of that damage was done against him. Granted, he did make one start there last season, and it did not go well. He also exited due to injury in that game last season, allowing seven runs, working into the third inning. So see if he can flush all that and move on. Now, on the flip side, Kyle Freeland, their ace, their man, not only that, he's left-handed, going to see a little bit different look of a lineup tomorrow for the Brewers, see if they can find a way to figure out facing a southpaw. Yeah, right. I mean, Kyle Freeland's had kind of a revamp, revamped himself after uh, two two years two years ago. He wasn't too great. But a guy knows how to pitch there, and uh, it's a great athlete, and you know, I expect it's going to be a, a good matchup, and you know, hopefully uh, Lauer can exercise some demons at Coors Field tomorrow. Yep, he's uh, Freeland's the Denver native going up against Eric Lauer tomorrow. Will be same time, same place, a 7.40 first pitch uh, central time. We will have Brewers extra innings for you after tomorrow's game as well. Jeff Cirillo, you're always making us a little bit smarter when we're talking about baseball. Thanks as always, my friend. Oh, man, damn. Keep bringing those stats I love when you when you go into the, the vault. I'm I'm nerding out over here on a night like tonight. There's steam coming out of my computer looking up all of this stuff. Freddie Peralta made it easy on all of us. It's a shame he couldn't get the W, but, hey, it's my job, and I love doing it. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, see you tomorrow night. Bye. All right, back tomorrow night. We're going to talk about who's hot and who's cold. Craig Council coming up in just a little bit. Also some highlights. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers fall by a 3-2 final tonight. All right, just one, you know, just one. No need to overreact and freak out like some of y'all are doing in my Twitter mentions right now. And I, I, I just want to talk about something real quick. Some folks on Brewers Twitter think that Freddie Peralta is an inconsistent starter. What? Go look at his game log this year. He's got one clunker this year. That's and wasn't even that bad of a start. Freddie Peralta has been one of the best pitchers on this team. I would say personally, now Brennan Woodruff only made two starts this year, so he can't count. But personally, I would say Freddie's been the second most consistent pitcher on this team, only behind Wade Miley, right? I I don't get where that narrative is coming from. And the performance he had tonight further validates that. Ten strikeouts, 25 swings and misses. I, I just, I don't understand that take. And I would correct anybody that says that in your presence. Uh, it's time for Who's Hot and Who's Cold. Brought to you by Cider Heating and Cooling. Trust in your family's comfort at home with Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Cider's highly trained technicians will provide a one-stop shop for all home and business comfort needs, including an emergency service line that's always live. You can get peace of mind by scheduling maintenance today with Cider, that's S-E-I-D-E-R, Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical at Cider.com. Who's cold? I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier, and I know he's going to break out of this funk soon enough, and that is Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas is now two for his last 26 right now. He's sitting on 99 career home runs. I wonder if that might be weighing on him a little bit right now, too. You know, like trying to get number 100, try to see that triple digits, right? It is an accomplishment in Major League Baseball to get to 100 home runs. Right? I mean, think about that for a second. How many guys, over 20,000 Major League players ever, how many guys make it? to 100 homers. It would be an awesome moment for him to finally get the job done here soon. I wonder how much that is weighing on him. The obvious answer for who's hot is Freddie Peralta. I mean, the the numbers we talked about earlier in the show, uh, some great comments with uh, Adam McCalvey's Twitter page just talking about reflecting about the start he had uh, in his Major League debut back in 2018. He had 13 strikeouts in that game, which is still his career high. Back-to-back games where he sets a career high in whiffs. 22 against the Tigers, now 25 here against the Rockies. What a great night for him. And I was looking back at that box score in 2018 when Freddie made his big league debut. Uh, Christian Yelich is playing center field in that game, by the way, which made me chuckle. But one of the things that jumped out to me, diving a little bit deeper into the box score, Freddie Peralta threw 98 pitches in that game. 90 of them were fastballs. 90! I mean... We all know he's fastball Freddie, but I think some of us forget 
why he was fastball Freddie in that first year back in 2018. I mean, he was fastball, curveball, that was it. And now here he is slicing and dicing. Fastball, curveball, slider, changeup. I mean, he is a bona fide pitcher right now, and I think he would be a top of the line guy, you know, a one or a two on a lot of other teams in Major League Baseball right now. And when healthy, that he's the three on this team signed to a team friendly deal. Do not lose sight of the fact that the Brewers did a great job in trusting in him and developing him, signing this team friendly deal. So he is guaranteed through next season. And then there are team options for the two years following that in 2025 and 2026 that still are only worth $8 million each. And I say only with air quotes around that. But what I'm saying is he is going to be paid, you know, potentially a little bit less than what the market would value. But this is where you look at like the Ozzy Albies deal with the Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. that money isn't everything for some guys. And for him, you, the, the, the phrase goes, you never turn down your first fortune. And for Willie, or excuse me, for Freddie to have this moment and to have this sort of, uh, you know, proof in the pudding and the proof in the numbers and saying, like, yes, I can make the team proud of making this extension. And I can't wait to see it turn around for Aaron Ashby once he gets healthy again, too. He is signed to a similar sort of extension because you can see the stuff. You see it. It is in there. Freddie Peralta has got some nasty, nasty stuff. His ERA is at 3.63, which doesn't tell the whole story. He's getting a ton of swing and miss. Once he controls the walks a little bit better, that's when I think he's going to really go to the next level, and he's going to be a massive part of this pitching core moving forward as the Brewers look past 2024 because we all know what's looming coming up in the next year. Coming through this box score a little bit deeper right now for the Brewers, I think another underrated performance tonight was Jesse Winker getting a couple of knocks. A clean single and a right and a little excuse me knock through the right side as well. He also drew a walk, and the only time he was retired was that pitch clock violation that he was getting ready for a 3-2 pitch. I was talking to some guys here in the studio that this could be a very important road trip for Jesse Winker to get things going in the right direction again. After the bronchitis that knocked him on his on his butt that first road trip of the year, that real road trip, you know, when he missed the entire Arizona series. He only played in one game in San Diego. He had the oblique thing flare up. Uh, then he had a really slow homestand. I'm really looking forward to seeing him, you know, after getting that mental reset he got in the Angels series with three lefty starters. Didn't get a single start against those guys, but he had a pinch hit RBI single in a clutch spot in one of those games. He gets two more hits tonight. I think he's coming. He's still waiting on his first Brewers home run as well. I think we're closer than we realize to seeing Jesse Winker really start to break out for the Brewers right now. And I think tonight was a really good step forward in the right direction for him. Also coming through this uh, box score right now, we mentioned uh, Bryce Terrain getting a couple of hits, one to the opposite field and one to the pole side too. Rowdy with two doubles. He continues to swing a white-hot bat right now. The double down the right field line and the double to center field too. He hit the ball hard really every at-bat. And another underrated performance tonight was Yoel Piams. Just a quiet seventh inning. He even got a couple of strikeouts despite hitting a batter. Uh, Piams is not going to be a strikeout type guy. And he did his job once again tonight. It you know, you hate to see Strezlecki fail like he did there in the eighth inning, but that's baseball. You're not going to win every single time. Pyomps continues to be a pleasant surprise so far on the young season, if you ask me, and he's going to continue to throw this sixth, seventh inning roll, get some grounders, face that stretch of righties in the order. Pyomps has been really fun to watch, and Gus Varland's on his way back, too. He pitched a scoreless outing in AAA Nashville uh, today when they were visiting St. Paul, the Saints, the Twins affiliate, so Gus is certainly due back on this road trip as well. Probably would see Elvis Piguero or Tyson Miller get optioned uh, if that occurs. Uh, and then one more thing in this box score today that I noticed just combing through it. I know the Brewers' offense wasn't quite there tonight, right? Only scoring two runs on eight hits and one for nine with runners in scoring position. They only had five strikeouts tonight, though, still. There's not a team that's going to strike out a ton. Yeah, they may swing and miss from time to time, but they're not necessarily striking out. And I think five strikeouts in a game is certainly something that is positive and encouraging to keep an eye on moving forward throughout the season. Quick peek a little bit deeper ahead into uh, tomorrow's game. Kyle Freeland and Eric Lauer mentioned it a moment ago with uh, Jeff Cirillo still here on the air. 
Talking about Lauer and those bad numbers against the Rockies in his career, but when you want to look at this season, maybe the fact that his velo has been a little bit down this year might put him back in the right direction. Now, he allowed eight hits against the Tigers his last go-around, but that was only one start removed from having maybe his best start in a Brewers jersey working into the eighth inning against the Mariners in Seattle uh, back on April 19th. And he doesn't really rely on the strikeout anymore to this point in uh, his Brewers career. I wouldn't mind it reappearing tomorrow. But I think maybe focusing on pitchability and focusing on location is going to help Eric Lauer and... I look at the velo, it was a little bit up last week against the Tigers, but look at the performance. So maybe if it all stitches together, could be in for a a better outing. And a reminder, it is Coors Field still. You give up less than four runs, you feel like that's a victory, right? It's just that kind of a ballpark. And we'll have to wait and see what kind of a day it's going to be. And, I'm, you know, the the left-handed starter thing is going to come up again, like we saw against the Angels, the Brewers uh, winning two out of three against the Angels. What will they do against another really good left-handed starter in Kyle Freeland? And maybe they'll help calm the waters and help folks realize like it's just a handedness. Everybody has their issues, and they are far from the only team that struggles with left-handed pitching. And on a greater note about this offense, regardless of the you know this handedness of the pitcher, this offense is kind of regressing to a league average offense, which isn't a bad thing. You know, if your floor of this offense and what they are going to be as a team and as a performance is league average, I'm not really that concerned about it because they're scoring in multiple ways. They're scoring without home runs. They can hit home runs, but they don't necessarily only rely on the home run ball. And you look at tonight, they didn't get the hit with runner in scoring position. That's something to monitor here in this first road trip of May because they are going to face some better opponents this month as they get ready for two series against the Giants. The Dodgers are going to come to town next week. Uh, you're going to see the Cardinals again. Now, the Cardinals are off to a weird start, and I refuse to count them out no matter what you say. The Blue Jays will be lurking at the end of the month as well. The Brewers are going to have to do the little things right. And... Right now, it just feels like every mistake is getting magnified, and that's why they're in a little bit of a up and down, up and down, up and down here the last week. Let's let it play out. I still think this team is better than a league average offense, but if this is their floor, I think you're in a really good spot moving forward. I just wanted to get along a little soapbox there to talk about that. We're going to hear from the manager, Craig Council, coming up next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Last couple of segments here with you to the bottom of the hour tonight if you're staying up late with us. And a reminder, Brewers All Access is where you can find all of these shows archived throughout the season for your podcast feeds. You'll also get Brewers 360 every morning from Wisconsin's Morning News. I appeared on it this morning, uh, so it's been a long day for your boy, all right? So be nice to me my Twitter mentions, okay? I use the mute button. I don't like to block people. Uh, I, I'm more of a mute button guy. Um, maybe you'll figure it out eventually. Sorry, not sorry, but if you're too negative around me, I don't need that negative energy around me, okay? It's all good. Let's be positive. I'll be critical when it needs to be, but let's be positive, okay? Cool. Let's hear from one of the positive performances tonight, Freddie Peralta. Again, 25 whiffs tonight, a new career high. Here's the manager, Craig Council. Uh, Freddie pitched well, for sure. Um, you know, there's two pitches, really. Um... But he pitched exceptionally well, yeah. How much of their middle infielders in back that game are just taking away some? Yeah, I mean, the play, the, the, probably Adamas play is the big play. Um, when we got something going, their second baseman made a made a great play just to, to get it out there. If it's, it's probably space is loaded um, or, or run on the board first and second. Nobody out. and So that was certainly a big play, and Tobar made a nice play to start the ninth. On Freddie, do you feel like he's just in a good, like in a good rhythm now? The strikeout numbers have sort of that's sometimes indicative for him of, of how he's. Feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think Freddie's pitched well a whole bunch. Um, you know, maybe maybe the San Diego start he might have some, want some some of the, that back, but the rest of the, the outings have been plus plus, and he's in a good spot to continue performing well. Did it make some pitches too to get out of some of those? Yeah, I mean the the inning when um, you know they got the second run, they they get put second and third, nobody out, and we made a great he made he got a big strikeout, and then we made a great defensive play, and um, and 
then he put two more good innings through. Is that a, cha is that a challenging throw for, for a right-handed? Right um, I think Tyrone got behind it very well. Um, and, you know, we had a great view. He was, he was behind it, and the throw was online from, from the start. So um, knew we had a good shot at getting him, and it was a perfect throw. you got to love your choices for that position, like Anderson. We've seen teams respect the arm, and yeah. probably with Tyrone the same. Yeah, I mean, we're putting a good defender out there, you feel like, and um, you know, it's, about, it's, about those, it's like driving in a run tonight for sure. What was tough about Phil? Um, he just did a good job, you know, it wasn't strikeouts. He, he did a good job getting the ball on the ground and, you know, he just, he got, he got through the innings and he made a big, big pitches to get, uh, get through the first and get Contreras after the second and third and two outs. And, you know, we had some, we had some opportunities, not, not a ton, but, um, you know, it was singles and not much else. And, um, so he was, he did a good, good job. It was, it was just his stuff, his sinker, four-seamer up, and then a lot of sliders. Did you have an opportunity to get an explanation on the winker? Well, I mean, it's, it's simple. He, to, it was, he was, his head wasn't up at eight seconds. Do you think the clock was started properly there? Uh, that was our argument, but, you know, he, he may not even have seen the clock started. And it, the new rules, it happens. There's going to be one or two like that all year where you're confused and what just happened, but I, I'm kind of with, uh, you know, with Council's interpretation of it there. Like, hey, like, he wasn't going to throw his player under the bus. I totally get that. When we were a month into it, I think Jesse just had a, a moment. It happens to all of us, right? Think about when you walk into a room and you're like, wait, why did I walk into this room? Right? It, it just happened on a baseball field, okay? It, it happens. Uh, I'm not going to overreact to a single pitch clock uh, violation. We're going to listen to some highlights, even though it was a loss. That'll be coming up next. Brewers, extra innings. Dominic Catronio. Ryan Feltner, Freddie Peralta, the pitching matchup on Tuesday night in Denver to open up a three-game series between the Brewers and the Rockies. It was clear from the beginning Freddie was feeling it. He struck out four of the first seven batters he faced, but then suddenly there was trouble in paradise. He allowed home runs to two of the next five batters. It was Ezekiel Tovar in the bottom of the third, and then Elias Diaz in the fourth inning. The Brewers' offense was getting a taste of their own medicine with some great defense on the other side by the Rockies, but finally got the chance to show off their muscles in the bottom of the fourth inning. Tyrone Taylor making his first start back from the injured list in 2023, saving a run with the arm. Tovar tries to change that. The 0-1 lifted shallow in the right. Should be deep enough, though, to get the run in as Tyrone Taylor moves over towards the line to make the catch. Tagging from third base is Gritchick. Throw home strong on a hop. Tag applied out at the plate. Wow, what a throw. Tyrone Taylor. It's a double play that ends the inning, and welcome back, Tyrone. Josh Maurer's call had him fooled as well, so he keeps it a 2-0 ball game. We fast forward to the sixth inning. The Brewers trying to finally form some offense. Yelich led off with a double off the wall in center field. Would have been a home run at all but four other ballparks, including Coors Field. Then a big walk to Jesse Winker. Willie Adamas was robbed, but it's a fielder's choice. Then Rowdy Telez stood to the plate. Feltner's pitch. Telez, a drive out to center. Back on it is Doyle. Still back. It's over his head and bounces up against the wall. Yelich scores easily. They're going to hold Adamas at third. Telez checks into second with his second double of the night. And the Brewers are on the board. It's 2-1. to one. The Brewers would add another run there in the sixth inning on the next batter, William Contreras, grounding out to tie the game at two runs apiece. Meanwhile, Freddie took advantage of that and got rolling. He allowed a leadoff single in the sixth inning, but then quickly erased it on a 4-6-3 double play. That was a theme of the evening. Then Brenton Doyle would be the last batter he faced on the evening. 3-2 pitch, swing and a miss. He struck him out. Freddie Peralta with his 10th strikeout of the evening. And he will walk off the mound with an exclamation point. Lane Grindle's call there. So 7th career 10 strikeout game for Freddie. He finished with a career high 25 swings and misses in a no decision today. But now, the Brewers trying to find a way to get things going. They could not offensively in the 8th, grounding into an inning-inning 
4-6-3 double play. In the bottom of the eighth inning, a leadoff double by C.J. Crone will quickly score thanks to Elias Diaz. Here's the 1-1 pinch. Ground ball, fair ball up the first baseline and into right field. Around third is Daza. Taylor gets to the ball. He will not make a throw. Instead, he will hold Diaz to first. And with a single, but it's an RBI single, the Rockies take a 3-2 lead. The double play would end the inning there in the eighth, so the last chance for the Brewers in the top of the ninth against Pierce Johnson, the current closer for the Rockies. And it almost started off on a very different note with Telez hitting another rocket. Johnson looks in, sets up on the first base side of the rubber. Here's the pitch, and Telez, a line drive, snagged out of the air by Tovar. Has he played some defense tonight or what? He had himself a night as called by Lane once more. A double by Contreras would be left stranded on the bases, and the Brewers fall by a 3-2 final. The Brewers are now 18-11. The Rockies are now 10-20. We'll wrap up the show right after this on Brewers Extra Innings. All right, one more look ahead to tomorrow's programming. Brewers and Reds... Uh, excuse me, Rockies, Red Sox. Jeez. I was looking at some scores here just a moment ago, but... Brewers Red Sox tomorrow, same time, same place. Our coverage will start at 6 o'clock with Greg Matzik hosting Brewers warm-up and extended Brewers warm-up leading you to coverage starting at 7.05 with the network pregame show that I've got post-game with Jeff Cirillo for you once again after tomorrow's contest. But then on Thursday, there is no post-game show, but fear not, I've got Brewers extra innings, excuse me, Brewers Weekly on Thursday night, so uh, we'll have some reaction to that game on Thursday. I've also got a guest lined up for you as well. Don't want to reveal it yet because just want to make sure we get it recorded, right? So that'll come up on Thursday. Again, no postgame Thursday, but that game's coverage starts at 135 with the network coverage, and it'll be a 210 first pitch for the finale in Colorado. And then I've got you taken care of for postgame. Then we head to San Francisco for some late nights. we got a 840 a coverage start on Friday night for a 9-10 first pitch against the Giants. So uh, hang with us there that night. I will have the post game for you then as well. You can catch it in your podcast feeds as well that night or on Saturday morning. Then on Saturday, we'll be on the air at 5 o'clock with Brewers warm-up for a 6-10 first pitch in San Francisco. A weird start for that one. Uh, and then finally, wrapping up the road trip, with a 2 o'clock coverage on Sunday with the Giants and a 3-10 first pitch. So the Brewers fall tonight 3-2, and we talked a lot about not overreacting and things of that nature. We are still so early in the season. We're 29 games in, y'all. It is very, very early in the season. I would say it starts to get real probably by the end of this month. You'll know who you are by the end of this month. And the Brewers are going to show you what you're made of by trying to come back against a left-hander tomorrow with Kyle Freeland on the mound. My thanks to Jeff Cirillo, as always, and to our producer, Tommy Wirtz. Thanks to all who listened in this evening. My name is Dominic Catronio. We'll catch you tomorrow night. Until then, keep on swinging.